Well, hey, good morning, Milton Bible Church. So glad to be with you online this morning. My name is Matt Timpson. Before we start this morning, we had the great privilege of celebrating the life of Bernie Hocko yesterday afternoon here at the Connect Center. It was a wonderful time of celebrating, of celebrating a life well lived. Do you know, as I've been reading through Genesis in the Old Testament recently, there's a number of times where it said, he or she walked with the Lord. And that's what I think of when I think of Bernie Hocko. He walked with the Lord. Well, Bernie, a couple of months ago, made a video for Milton Bible Church that he wanted to show us knowing that he was sick. So we would love to show you that video now, and then um, we'll carry on with our sermon afterwards. To our wonderful church family at MBC. What an awesome testimony you are of the love of God on display for the whole world to see. It comes down from God through our pastors, Jim and Mary, who married us, by the way, on June 22nd, 1996, and sent us out for the Lord's work. And then they accepted us back into fellowship in 2012. We love you all dearly. God is doing a great work through this fellowship as it allows him to direct their way forward. We love the leadership and the whole church as they go about doing his work with much love and joy. It has been a real pleasure for us to be a part of this wonderful and loving group of disciples. God has blessed us with many spiritual children, grandchildren, teenagers, and those we can call brothers and sisters in the Lord. Olders, elders, love you all dearly. See you all later, then it will be forever. Praise the Lord. Wow, what an amazing video. Wonderful to uh, see Bernie and to hear his heart for the church, which is a great segue into what we are talking about today in kingdom relationships and relationships within the church. So again, good morning. My name is Matt Timpson. I'm on staff here at Milton Bible Church. I'm the administrator, and I also lead pastoral care ministries. Um, I'm also an elder here at Milton Bible Church and have been for, I don't know, 10 or 11 years. Also as a way of introduction, for those who may not know me, those watching online, I have Tourette syndrome. Tourette syndrome is a neurological disorder which is uh, manifests itself with involuntary movements and tics. So you will see me doing that throughout the sermon. I just wanted to highlight that because I don't want it to be a distraction from what God is telling us this morning. So, um, so you know why that is happening. So we're currently doing a sermon series called Your Kingdom Come. What does God's kingdom look like in our world, in our church, and in our lives? How does it affect our relationships? How does it affect our outlook on what is going on around us in a world of COVID-19 pandemic, a world of heightened awareness of racial injustice, and the continued racism that is being demonstrated, and in a world of increasing political polarization? So what is the definition of God's kingdom? It's the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Psalm 103.19 says, 
The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. It's the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Our prayer and cry to God is your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We know that until Christ returns one day, there is an evil one that roams around causing all kinds of evil. But we still see Christ's rule now here on earth. The first two weeks of the series, Jim outlined the three Ps of kingdom life, a good old Baptist alliteration, but one that is helpful and easy to remember. The presence, the promise, and the power of the kingdom. First is the presence, God with us. This theme, this theme permeates the Bible from beginning to end. Secondly is the power, the dynamic resurrection power. The purpose of the power is to raise Jesus high. And we live in that power as followers of Christ. As we are, uh, sorry, as such, we bring peace to conflict. We bring light into darkness. Last, last week, we looked at two of Jesus's parables of seeds. Third is the promise. As we saw in Revelation 3.21, the one who conquers and lives for God will sit on the throne with Jesus, just as Jesus is on the throne with the Father. What an amazing promise to look forward to. A promise that Bernie Hocko is right now living out. If you have not had a chance to listen to the first two sermons in this series, I suggest you go back and do that. You can find them on our website at miltonbiblechurch.ca. This week we're going to be talking about kingdom relationships. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your amazing love. I thank you, Father, for the life of Bernie Hocko, a man whose heart was truly after, after you, Lord, a man who walked with you, a man who in all that he did, um, your love, your Holy Spirit permeated through him. And we just thank you for the relationships that he has built. Um, and those um, relationships, I know that spiritual fatherhood that he gave to so many of us will carry on, not just for years, but I believe for generations to come. Thank you, Father, for um, your kingdom. Lord, we want to talk this morning about kingdom relationships, and I pray you would help each one of us just to be able to um, um, see ourselves as part of your kingdom here on earth as we are representing you as the body of Christ together. We are the body and you are the head. So I just pray this morning, Lord, that you would touch every heart um, watching this video, every heart that is physically in the building this Sunday morning, Lord, that you would touch each and every heart. Thank you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. So what do relationships in the kingdom of God look like? How are they tangible? What does it look like in our lives now in 2020? In other words, what difference does the presence, power, and promise of God's kingdom make in our lives? There are three key points to understanding God's, sorry, in, in understanding kingdom relationships. Number one, understanding God's love for you personally. Number two, loving the body of Christ, what the New Testament often refers to as one another love. And three, loving your neighbor, which in kingdom life may also mean loving your enemy. I know it's radical, but it's true. If you've been around Milton Bible Church for any length of time, you'll know this as the up, in, and out triangle based on the life of Jesus himself. Jesus emphasized his relationships with God the Father, then with his disciples, and then with others, up, in, and out. So firstly, 
we truly understand kingdom relationships, sorry, to truly understand kingdom relationships, the first step is to understand who we are in Christ, the love the Father has for us, understand that the Spirit dwells in us, and to see yourself the way God sees you. It has to start here. Our relationships will not be transformed if we do not understand this. This has been the desire of my heart for many years now, that we would truly understand who we are in Christ because of what Christ has done for us. Now, this is a whole sermon series in and of itself. So I'm only going to scratch the surface. One of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible is Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read verses 3 to 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Let's look at some of the key words or phrases in this passage. He has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual blessing. He chose us that we would be holy and blameless because of Christ. He predestined us for adoption to become sons and daughters of God himself. What an amazing picture that is. Don and I know something of how amazing the process of adoption can be. We took a look into the eyes of our two boys for the first time and immediately fell in love with them and knew that they would be part of the Timpson family forever, not just in name, but in our hearts. God blessed us with the opportunity to both adopt two boys, but also to have a biological daughter first, and our love for each of them is great and equal. Church, this is how God feels about you. He chose to adopt you. Just let that sink in for a second. The God that created all things in the universe chose to adopt each of us. And what do we get out of it? Total forgiveness, the abolition of our sins, our trespasses, our wrongdoings, redemption through the blood of Jesus dying on the cross because of his great grace that he showered upon us. What does that mean? It means he paid the price and the punishment for our sins. We are redeemed, but it doesn't stop there. Remember those uh, old late night infomercials on TV? They still come up on your social media feed, but that's not all. Not only are we giving these wonderful blue blocker sunglasses at a great price, order now and we'll also give you a beautiful leather sunglasses case that can clip onto your sun visor, but act now. Okay, I think you have to be at least 40 to understand that blue blocker's reference. Well, not only has God adopted you, there's more. Not only has he forgiven all your wrongdoings and wiped slate the clean, wiped clean the slate and showered grace on you, that's just the beginning. Wait, there is more. He dwells in you. Let's read Colossians 1, 24 to 27. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. 
the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God chose to reveal the mystery that was hidden for ages and generations before Christ, but is now revealed to us. Do you know what it is? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Through the power and indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God did not just forgive us and save us from something, from an eternity apart from God, but he saved us to something. He literally dwells in us through his Holy Spirit. Does that excite you? If it does, give me an amen in the comments or hit it a thumbs up or heart emoji. His kingdom comes here on earth as it is in heaven. Whether you are new to faith in Christ or have been a follower for many years, we all need to hear this again and be reminded of who we are in Christ. All kingdom relationships we have flow out of living in that understanding. Now I need to pause here for a moment. If we look back at the very beginning of both Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1, who was the author Paul writing to? To the faithful saints in Ephesus and Colossae. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the place to begin. And you can make that decision today that will have eternal consequences and you will be part of bringing his kingdom here on earth. Reach out to us at miltonbiblechurch.ca or call the office on the website we love to journey with you. This is an opportunity to start uh, to make an eternal difference in your life. There's a great ad currently on TV that shows people doing different activities like swimming or running, or running, and the tagline is one day or day one. I love that. Will you become a follower of Jesus one day, someday down the road? Or is this day one of your new life in Christ? So that's the top of the triangle, understanding who we are in Christ and the Father's love for us. But honestly, as, excited, as exciting as that is, I actually find the second point of the triangle equally exciting. The kingdom of God comes and is shown to the world through the church. Eddie Leo was a pastor of a church and ministry in Jakarta, Indonesia called Abba Love. It is one of the fastest growing churches in the world with over 1,500 home groups and 70 outreach organizations. He wrote a book called Community Where God Dwells, which I highly recommend, it's on Amazon, in which he says, life is not the me experience once we catch the mystery of Christ. That mystery of Christ he is referring to is in the passage we read in Colossians 1, 24 to 27, Christ in us. Remember, Paul is writing to the collective church in Colossae and reminding them and reminding us today that God dwells in the body of Christ together as the church. We are never meant to read passages like those in both Ephesians and Colossians as individual exhortations, but as collective ones. God works through the family of God, the church, and distributes various gifts to different people. As we see later, if you read in Ephesians chapter 4, which collectively becomes the active body of Christ, which represents him here on earth. Does that make sense? Let's read what it says later in Ephesians 1, in verses 22 and 23, just down the chapter a bit. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, 
as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, which fills, which fills all in all. Do you see that? He is head over the church. I think we all get that. But we sometimes, but what we sometimes miss is that Christ in his fullness is shown to the world through the church. The head needs a body, and that is us. And for better or worse, that is what the world sees. Now, I strongly believe that the best way for the church to thrive and shine in the world is for every believer to be part of a local church family where they're under the authority of local leadership and are using their gifts and loving on the people of that local body, which will be seen by those living near the church and those people around it. Have a look at the book of Titus some, sometime, but that's a, different, a whole different sermon. So we've established that God dwells in us individually and collectively, and that we are his physical bodily representation to the world. So what does that mean for us? What do kingdom-minded relationships look like in the church that will be attractive to those outside the church? Well, what does an attractive family look like to you? And I'm not referring to physical attraction. Does it look like a family, uh, does it look like family members arguing over trivial matters, talking about each other behind their backs and not directly to their face, leaving the family when someone says something they don't agree with and going to join another family? or constantly listening to what other families do and say so they can compare their family to it and highlight where it is falling short? Or does an attractive family look like one that loves each other no matter what the trials and circumstances are that it's going through? One that always has each other's backs and speaks well of one another. One that solves conflicts face to face and sticks together no matter what. One that learns from other families and loves and supports other families in their uniqueness. Church family, I believe that is the church we want and are building. A church that is, first of all, built on love. Have a look at John 17, 20 to 23. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may, sorry, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Christ desires that each one who believes in him are unified in one, in us. He, says, he uses the word us, which is the Trinity. So as the Father is in Christ the Son and the Son is in the Father, so can we all enter into that same one another relationship with each other. But why? We have to look at verse 23 again. Don't miss this. Jesus is asking the Father to make the believers one, perfectly one, actually. Why? So that the world may know that God the Father, who sent his son Jesus, loves us just as he loves Jesus. Let that sink in for a moment. God loves us like he loves his son, and that love is shown to the world by us, the church, loving one another in perfect oneness. It's amazing. 
Unity matters and love matters. It has to underwrite all of our relationships. Let's have a look at 1 John 4, 16, and then 19 to 21. 1 John verse 16, and then verses 19 to 21. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. First thing to point out here is that God is love. God is not just a loving God. He is love itself, perfect and pure. I remember Don Smith speaking on that during one of his visits here to NBC from England, and it made an impression on me. God is by very nature love. Therefore, because of the love God has for us, we need to love our brothers and sisters. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Look at both verse 20 and 21. John comes at it from both directions. First, if you say you love God but hate your brother or sister in the church, you are actually a liar because you cannot love God who you cannot see but hate the person right in front of you who you can see. Then for good measure, John goes at it the other way and gives a command that whoever loves God must love his brother and sister. It's not an option. So we have established that love is preeminent in our church family relationships, right? I think we have. Kingdom relationships are marked by love. One another, body of Christ, love. Having said that, what love and what, what sorry, having said that, what love and oneness does not look like is sameness. There is and should be a great diversity amongst believers. The New Testament never suggests that everyone should act the same, look the same, and have the same cultural norms. In fact, it talks a lot about how to handle conflict and disputes among believers and about having freedom in Christ to have different customs and ways of doing things. In fact, I would suggest that diversity amongst believers is a goal of Christ and the New Testament writers. Look back at the passage in Colossians 1 and verse 27. To whom did he make known the mystery of Christ dwelling in us? The Gentiles. Though the city of Colossae would have been fairly multicultural with a settlement of Jews as well as Gentiles from Rome and from Asia, it still would have been very shocking for the listeners of the time to hear that the mystery, which had been hidden from, um, from the Jewish nation for centuries, was now being revealed amongst both Gentiles and Jews. God was breaking down racial barriers and saying that everyone is part of the body and should love each other. I think that's a very important point to make in today's world. The church must be seen as a diverse body of believers living in true community that reflects the community around it. Let me repeat that sentence. The church must be seen as a diverse body of believers living in true community that reflects the community around it. Dr. David Ireland, the pastor of a very large, very diverse church in New Jersey, said this of living in community. Community is where the deepest thing in you connects with the deepest thing in me, and there's a sense of reality and belonging. It's as if we are a family. That's the way the diverse church should look like. That's what the diverse church should look like. With the church being that close together as family, 
It's not always going to be perfect, as we said earlier. Conflict is going to arise from time to time, and people are going to disagree with one another. But another mark of kingdom-minded relationships is forgiveness. What does Jesus teach us about forgiveness? When he models how to pray. Forgive us our debts, say it with me, as we forgive our debtors. As kingdom people, we must forgive others just as God has forgiven us. So kingdom relationships are to be marked by love for one another, unity, diversity, community, and forgiveness. I think again, Eddie Leo sums it up very well. If you and I wish to know Christ, hear Christ, touch Christ, see Christ and experience Christ in fullness, we will find him in a living, breathing expression of his body. The church, as God has called it to be, is the visible image of the invisible Christ. The church is the presence of Christ today, just as Christ is the presence of God. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it, the church properly functioning is Christ existing as community. So how do we do that and live out community like we've talked about? I think we do it by all of us loving on and caring for one another. I lead pastoral care here at Milton Bible Church, but care for the church cannot be done by one person or the church staff or even a team of volunteers. It has to be done by everyone showing one another love for each other. In fact, I would rather the name be changed to church love or one another care, or body care, which actually sounds more like a gym than a church. But I would prefer those, maybe, over pastoral care, because it's meant to be done by all of us. No one is exempt. We all have to play a role. I have heard about and witnessed this kind of extraordinary love and care being demonstrated by our church family during these past few months of quarantine. Thank you for being such an amazing, loving family. And a perfect example of that that's right before us that has just happened is the passing away of Bernie and church family. You have been so amazing to Jackie and so supportive of her and we cannot thank you enough for that. As we continue on in these challenging days, I encourage you to find ways to continue to serve one another and bless one another. Ask penetrating questions about how each other are doing. Truly listen to one another and pray with one another. The power and presence of the Holy Spirit rests on each one of us that are followers of Christ. Connect groups are a fantastic way to be in meaningful relationships with one another. In fact, I would say that connect groups, small groups as um, they used to be known, are the lifeblood of the church and are the primary way that care happens within the church. Watch for their startup sometime this fall and jump in. I would like you to think about it in two ways. One is to think of your own spiritual growth and discipleship by being part of a group. But secondly, if what we've been talking about, the church, is really true, that it's the active, visible representation of Christ on earth, then you are an integral part of making that happen. If you are not actively involved in others' lives, then a piece of the body is missing, and it will not work as well as if every part were active. So kingdom relationships look like followers of Christ, understanding the love the Father has for them and seeing themselves the way God sees them. And they love the church. The third point of the triangle, remember our up in and outs, the third point of the triangle is they love their neighbor, those in the world. I'm only going to spend a few minutes on this because Chris McLean is speaking on this topic next Sunday. So 
If we are to love our neighbors, who are our neighbors? Well, in Luke 10, a lawyer asked Jesus that very same question. Let's read it. Luke 10, 25 to 36. Sorry, I'm actually going to read 29 to 37. But he, desiring to justify himself, the lawyer that is, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among, amongst robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. The man that stopped to help the wounded guy was a Samaritan, a pretty much universally hated people, group of people. But unlike the priests and the Levite, both of whom were part of the majority and privilege of the society, he had compassion on this man and went over and above to help him. On any other day, if these two men had met, it's very likely that the man that was injured on the side of the road would have ignored the Samaritan or, or possibly even insulted him. This to me is a wonderful image of kingdom relationships. This Samaritan guy loved his neighbor who was very likely also his enemy. So who is your neighbor? It's anyone that God puts in your pathway. Anyone that God puts in front of you. Milton is still a growing community and has become a very diverse town. God loves every person in this town and, he, and his desire would be that they would all come to him. Therefore, we also have to love all people and see them as God sees them. Pastor Jim once made a comment in a sermon that I've never forgotten and it sticks with me. No one will ever be hated into the kingdom of God, only loved into the kingdom. Let's look at Matthew 5, 43 to 45. Matthew 5, 43 to 45. You have heard that it is said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God shows all people common grace and waits patiently for them. He allows the sun to rise on them and rain to fall on them. He's patient and waiting for them to come to him. So how can we do anything else. And if they do not turn to him, one day he will cast judgment on them when they stand before him. Isn't it amazing that we don't have to be the ones to do that? We can love our neighbors, whoever God puts in our path, and pray they will come into the kingdom of God. 
So as we wrap this up, I have a few questions for you. Number one, do you understand God's love for you and see yourself as the Father sees you? If you are unsure, please spend some time reading Ephesians 1 and speaking to God about it. I believe that without that, it's very difficult to love the church and love the world the way God does until you see yourself and understand God's love the way he sees you. Number two, how are you loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? During this time, how can you have significant relationships and encourage the body of Christ? Number three, do you love your neighbors? Not just ones you already know, not just the ones that you like and they like you, that it's easy to. Do you love whoever God puts in your path? The kingdom of God is here and it's now on earth like it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I just pray this morning that first of all, Lord, you would continue to shower your love on us. And I pray that every person watching this, every person here in the auditorium this morning would understand that love that you have for them. That through Christ, you love them as you love your son. It's amazing. It's amazing, God. We thank you for that. It is, it is truly life-changing. It is eternity-changing. And Lord, I pray that anybody that maybe has not made that decision, that today, this would be day one. Not one day, but day one. That today they would choose to serve you, to follow you, to become an encourager. I'm sorry, to become a follower of Christ and to become part of your living, active, physical body, which is the church. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Amen.